Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Commercial Connection Podcast. A few weeks ago, we did a unique webinar. We marketed exclusively to landlords and offered to answer all of their questions live. Spencer had fun, but never knew what would come next. Enjoy. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about 1031 exchanges, the rules and regs around them, what, uh, what qualifies as a replacement property and such. If you have questions, you're more than welcome to use the chat feature or the Q&A feature uh, in Zoom to ask your question. But what I would like to do is open it up to anyone who would like to ask a question live afterward. Uh, and we can, we can dialogue about your particular need. I'm hoping and I'm committing that uh, I talk for about 12 minutes or so. And then we'll open it up for Q&A for any of the participants to join in and ask questions that, that they would like to. Again, thank you for joining us. Um, so let's talk about what qualifies as a potential property for a 1031 exchange. The IRS states both properties, the one you sell and the one you exchange into must be held for use in a trade or business or for investment. So a property used primarily for personal use, like a primary residence or a second home or vacation home, does not qualify for like-kind exchange treatment. Uh, I'll introduce you later in the the program to a qualified intermediary. A qualified intermediary is someone who handles your exchange. They make sure you don't touch the money. One of the three rules of your 1031 exchange, a qualified intermediary helps you know the rules, what's called safe harbor for doing it and completing a successful 1031 exchange. But the three rules for your 1031 exchange, number one, do not touch the money. Absolutely, do not touch it. If you sell a rental property or another investment property and the proceeds hit your bank account, it's too late to do an exchange. The ability to defer taxes, to defer depreciation recapture, to defer capital gains tax, all of that is gone if you touch the money. So don't touch the money. You will have 45 days to identify properties you will try to buy. This is called the 45-day identification period. It's 45 calendar days, not 45 business days. Um, And then after you close on your what's called your relinquished property or the sale of the property you just sold, you have 180 days to close on the properties that you have previously identified. Let me just suggest looking for your replacement property even before you start the process of selling your investment property, what's called your relinquished property. So let's talk about this process, the 1031 exchange process. The landlord decides to sell their investment property. They can use an agent to sell it. They can sell it on using Homey. They can force sell by owner. Whatever it is, when they decide to sell their investment property, we recommend you connect with a qualified intermediary. The qualified intermediary is going to help you in your exchange meet all the requirements in the eyes of the IRS to be a successful exchange. 
And if you need, if you need resources on finding a QI in your area of the country, we're happy to connect you with um, the great QIs that we know that we've worked with and that sort of thing. The proceeds from the sale are transferred to the qualified inter intermediaries, um, a trust account or escrow account. They hold the funds for you. The owner identifies in the next 45 days the replacement properties that they are going to try to purchase. Most QIs have some sort of a form where you fill out and you, you, know, you would like to identify these properties. They need to be identified by the address and uh, the percent that you intend to, to purchase of that property. The 45-day period is strict. If the 45th day falls on Christmas, for example, and you delay and, and identify on the 46th day, the day after Christmas, you are outside of safe harbor and will likely, and your exchange will, will likely uh, not be honored by the IRS. From the day you close on the, sa the sale date, you have a total of 180 days to close on your relinquished property. People think this is a long time, but when if you're doing any sort of construction, if you're doing any sort of permitting, these 180 days can, can go by very quickly. The funds are then transferred at the request of the, the taxpayer, the seller, and the QI wires funds to, um, to the, the seller of, uh, uh, of the property that will be re the replacement property in exchange. So let's talk a little bit about the opportunity costs in the eyes of the landlord. I love this definition. The definition of opportunity cost, the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is, is chosen. We talk with a lot of landlords. A lot of them talk about the three T's, and in some parts of the country, that's the four T's. Tenants, trash, toilets, and I just heard this the other day, termites. So owning investment real estate is not for everyone. Owning residential investment real estate is not for anyone. It's not for everyone. Uh, calls in the middle of the night, broken water heaters, broken washing machines, broken light bulbs, broken windows, clogged toilets, all of that can, can really take its toll on the landlord. Even if they have a property management company fielding calls and organizing visits from contractors and different people to help maintain the property, it cannot, it's not always easy to do from the point of the land, from the, from the standpoint of the landlord. We like to ask people, what is the opportunity cost to you of owning a residential rental, vacant land, or small multifamily? The next thing we like to talk about is comparative, comparative advantage. It's the ability of an individual or group to carry out a particular economic activity, such as making a specific product, more efficiently than another activity. So if you're a landlord and, you're, and you, know, you know the lifestyle that being a landlord brings, tenants, trash, and toilets, turnover every year, 
is there a better way to do what you're trying to do? We also ask people, is there a more productive asset for your portfolio? So you, you're sold on this idea that, that real estate will be a big part of your, your wealth creation, your portfolio, your legacy to your heirs. We and we like to talk about, well, is there a more productive way to do what you're trying to do? We hope to show you a way that might be more productive. So let's talk about like kind. When you do a 1031 exchange, you need to sell an asset and replace it with something that's called like kind. 1031 exchanges are also referred to sometimes as like kind exchanges. So when you sell a rental property and you buy another property as defined uh, earlier for business or investment, you sell one rental property, you can buy another rental property, and that meets the qualifications of a 1031 exchange. You can sell a single family home and move into a duplex. You can sell vacant land and move into a, 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 a penthouse in, in Manhattan and, and use that as, a, as an investment property. You can sell a farm and move into uh, a, a, a single family rental. Real estate for real estate is considered like kind. It doesn't matter the classification. It also doesn't matter the quality. Real estate for real estate will always be like kind if it's used for investment purposes. So let's talk about what like kind is not. It's selling a three bedroom, two bath rental and replacing it by default with another three bedroom, two bath rental. It's also not selling a rental property and taking those funds and investing it in livestock, equipment, and inventory, right? So creating a foundation here. We, at Mill Creek Commercial, we sell tenant in common fractional interests in high quality investment grade commercial real estate. This is, this is exactly what we do. So why do we do it? Because we feel like having an asset on a highly visible corner and great real estate fundamentals might be a better option for a lot of traditional residential landlords. The property will always be in demand. Commercial property will always be in demand if it's on busy corner, high traffic count. We really like that. We want exceptional tenants in our own portfolio. Uh, a, a, a residential rental, think of like a, like a fourplex in a college town. Tenants changing every semester or more frequent than that, possibly. But uh, for sure every year, there's not a whole lot of stability when you know you're going to have to replace that tenant, do marketing, experience vacancy, if you're constantly turning over a tenant for your residential rental. A commercial building offers the option for a tenant to sign a multi-year lease, and it brings a lot of peace of mind to the landlord and a lot of stability to one's portfolio. We also like tenants that are recession resilient. 
a new kind of phrase that I haven't heard before coronavirus hit is that they are an essential business. So recession resilient and an essential business are the same. We like pharmacy. We like dollar stores. They do both do very well in times of uncertainty. This picture of the PNC Bank is in Saint, is in the St. Louis area. This was a ground lease uh, that we that we put together uh, about a year ago. And we like businesses that do well in times of uncertainty and pay their rent during COVID. Uh, we also our, our properties are also offered uh, and they're fully managed for you. So our our why. I kind of explained our what, what we do, what we offer, but our why is really, it's really important to us. We want to be a help in breaking down the barriers that keep 98% of the U.S. population from investing in commercial real estate. We think commercial real estate offers more stability, more security, and higher, um, higher rents collected. Than, than residential uh, single family homes, duplexes, fourplexes do. And, and we're, we're out on a mission to help people um, enjoy the benefits of owning something with a long-term lease, something with a corporate guarantee where if they shut down that location, the tenant will still pay rent on a vacant building. We're committed to offering landlords the option to own something with a triple net lease where the tenant covers um, rent, the rent payment, and then maintenance on the building, property taxes, and, and insurance on the, on the building. So, so just to explain a little bit about what we do, our fund goes out and buys commercial assets debt-free. No leverage, no debt. We think that that's one of the major contributors to reducing risk. The other main contributor is the underlying um, real estate fundamentals of that property. So we visit every property. We jump on a plane. We visit every property. We want to check it out. We buy that property debt-free, no leverage, and we divide that asset into pieces. And that the legal term for that is a tenant in common. So we offer a slice of the pizza to anyone who would like to come and enjoy a commercial building with a long-term lease. Uh, we sell those interests to individuals who are interested in owning the safe, secure, stable, and stability that commercial real estate offers. A lot of our clients are coming in from a 1031 exchange. Some of them are coming in with cash. Some of them are coming in a self-directed retirement account. But we can help however the investor comes. We, we, can, we can help. I touched on these a little bit. These four pillars to us are so critical and so important to us. We want to offer something that has a net lease, a triple net lease, some uh, an asset that has a corporate guarantee, which means the tenant has to be able to honor that corporate guarantee. A long-term lease of at least 10 years or more. We're starting to get properties with a 20-year lease. Uh, right now, uh, 20 years is a long time. It brings a lot of stable and uh, stability and security to, to your portfolio. And we like single tenant assets. 
we're not we're not keen on office. We like office. We have nothing against it. But the complexity of retenanting, tenant improvements, each tenant has a different lease is too complex. We want it simple. Simple to, to own, simple to manage. So with that, that's just a little introduction to 1031 exchanges and uh, how Mill Creek Commercial can, can possibly help you. I, I like to open this up to, um, to anyone who would like to ask a question, maybe a question on a rental property you have or the fractional tenant in common um, model of owning commercial real estate. And so I, I don't know is if if there is if you would like to to maybe ask a question jump on the the Q and A or the or the chat feature and just let me know and I can unmute you and you can ask your question live and we can and we can talk about it. One one thing I will say is that in every case where the where a residential landlord has come and they've kicked tires on transitioning into a commercial building they've come over they've done their due diligence and we look at the numbers of their single family home their duplex their fourplex whatever the case may be and and they're honest about the expenses they're actually they actually have then, then we we see a return of about four and a half percent to the residential landlord, and so uh, our commercial properties offer about a six percent return. So right there, you know that's that's a twenty five thirty percent increase in productivity, and the landlord no longer has to find a plumber. Um, find someone to fix a window, find find a, uh, an HVAC guy to come and, and fix the furnace, whatever that is, because in commercial, that's all done for you by the tenant. Okay, so we have one question. We have one question here. Someone typed in. They asked, if I sell my property, how should I get started? If I sell my if I sell my property in my rental, how how should I get started? Um, how should you get started with Mill Creek Commercial? So you can jump on our website, millcreekcommercial.com. Uh, you can schedule a, a call with me. We can we can walk through kind of what your time frame is, and uh, we would we would we can recommend a QI for you to work with, a qualified intermediary for you to work with, and uh, you can go through the steps of completing a successful 1031 exchange and whatever property we have available. And usually we have two to five properties available for any, on any given day, you can come in and uh, see kind of what fits your portfolio needs. You know, do you, do you value a long-term lease with a more stable tenant or are you looking for, more uh, passive income and rent escalations. And so um, we have another question here. Uh, Bruce, 
would you mind if I if I unmute you? Would you mind just asking your question here live? Let me let me let me unmute you here. Hello, Bruce. Are you there? Well, Bruce asked, "Does each property have a different return?" Yes, each property has a, has a different return. We we have a uh, we're looking at a Walgreens right now. That will be a five point seven five percent return. We have some medical services buildings. We offer those at a six and a quarter percent return. We try to do something. We try to to get it in a way where where we're offering at around a six. Bruce, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I can hear you now. And so this is this is a great question. We're we believe that the the return is reflective of the the risk. Right? Would you agree with that? Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, I don't know if we'll ever do a Starbucks, but they have cap rates of low fives and high fours maybe a mcdonald's ground lease might be in the threes (laughs) right and we look at those right and we think ugh, you know there's no risk at all with those um and so yeah each each building each asset we offer has a different return and 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 let me let me just uh say one more thing on that bruce and you're you're more than welcome to ask a follow-up question so a Walgreens in California, in Los Angeles, signs the same lease as they do in Omaha, Nebraska, right? But the, the tax consequence in each of those states is different. The, and and the, 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 the property, the land values will be different. And that greatly impacts the return to the investor, right? So we we would probably stay away from the one offered in California and err more toward uh, an asset that has a that can produce a higher return because it's the same guarantee it's the same guarantor it's the same tenant right good right. question Bruce yeah hey I got a follow up question on that so yeah um, what is the uh, potential for liquidity or an investor who comes in and ultimately 10 years down the line needs to get out. Yeah. And, yeah. W- and what would be the exit strategy that Mill Creek would have uh, on a property? You've, you've held it for X number of years and now you're, you're looking to exit out of that or sell that building. How does, uh-huh. how does something liquid to liquidate the, the property? How would something like that, Play out. So, Bruce, I'm going to ask you. I'm going to answer your second question first, if that's okay. okay. Perfect. So, milk. Our fund will go out and acquire the building, and then we sell tenant and common interest in that building. We sell away our equity to smaller investors, and we sell 100% of the equity away uh, to, to investors. And we do this because. We, we want this and we need this to be a real estate transaction. There's other securitized investments called a, a Delaware statutory trust. And in that case, 
the sponsor, the DST, the Delaware Statutory Trust, will make all decisions for all investors all the time. They, they decide when to sell. We don't like that. As a tenant and common owner, you can, uh, you know, you gave the example 10 years down the road. In 10 years, if you need to liquidate, you can just sell away your interest, sell away your tenant and common share, and you can sell it for whatever price you want. You can sell it to whomever you want. We have a tenant in common agreement with, with the co-owners of that building that they first will have a first right of refusal, but you can exit and you can exit based on your time frame and your, your need, not the need of the sponsor. Um, there are cases where maybe a big developer wants to come in and buy that building and then put a huge apartment complex on it, right? Well, we, we'll need agreement from all the tenant and common owners to sell that building as a whole. And so we're, we're, ha we're happy to share that tenant and common agreement with anyone um, as a review. But you have a lot of control over how you operate and own your share of that building. You could sell it when you want and you can keep it. You can will it to your children, right? A lot of freedom as an owner as opposed to investing in a, in a DST. Okay, uh, I'm not uh, taking all the time here. So um, who ultimately then, you mentioned the Delaware Trust. Is there some type of a trustee set up to manage each of these individual properties? <laughs> and the question, what if somebody owns 70% of a building? Do they have a controlling tr yeah. uh, interest in the building? Or I think you said you had to have... Uh, unanimity with every one of the fractional owners uh, to, uh, I don't know, upgrade the building, repair it, yeah. maintain yeah. it, I don't know, sell it, do whatever you wanted to do. So we, we've set up a property management company. Their, their name is CAMS, Commercial Asset Management Services. And they handle our property management. Um, they their fee is 1.75% of rent. The advertised returns that we, that we include on our, on our website are the returns after that's been paid. But the property management company will collect the rent, make disbursements. So it's not a trust, like a, like a Delaware statutory trust. It's a property management company handling the you know handling the vast majority of the communication to all the tenants in common and collecting rent and dispersing rent to the co-owners right does that make sense and yeah. so yeah. You, you, so we we th there's oftentimes where we have a a buyer come in and they want to own a large portion of one of our offerings in the tenant in common agreement, we have certain stipulations that say, okay, well, if a supermajority wants to sell, then the, the investor that owns 1.4% of the building can't blow up the deal if it's clearly in the best interest of everyone else. So there's language that they, that if they're, if they're, if they don't want to sell and everyone else does, then, then we can we can 
we can force the sale. Um, but there's three things where we need complete 100% buy-in, and that's to change the tenant, to sell the building, and to replace the property management company. So you can fire the property management company if you would like to. They're very good, I, by the way, very good. We vetted them heavily, but um, it's your building. You own it. So you can you can take control and steer the ship, whatever's in the best interest for the, the, landlord, the collective landlord. Good question, Bruce. Thank you. Thank you. Um, any other, any other questions? If, if you have a question, uh, feel free to type, you know, raise a hand or, or, uh, type something in the, in the Q and a letting me know you'd like to, to ask a question. If, if not, I think that, I think that will wrap up our, our webinar and, um, happy to, uh, uh, connect if we can to provide more information and, uh, see if we can bring value to, to you and your portfolio. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. We hope this has been uh, informative. And um, I was going to say entertaining, but I don't know. I don't. It's hard to make 1031 exchanges entertaining, but we sure appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll, see you, we'll see you around.